Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My Angular Story. This week, we're talking to Ryan Chenke. Ryan, do you want to say hi? Sure. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here. Nice to chat with you again. And uh, looking forward to kind of giving my backstory with Angular. Yeah, we. I think we talked, the last time we talked, you were working at Auth0. Uh, do you want to just kind of fill in everybody in real quick on what you're doing now, and then we'll we'll roll into your story? Sure. So I spent about two and a half years at Auth0 and learned a ton there. And I was doing a little bit of side work while I was there. So I was working kind of as a consultant, building applications for uh, startups and that kind of thing, just on the side. And it kind of got to the point where I had to make a decision as to whether I tapered that down or kind of went in full bore. And so I decided to to go straight into it. And so for the last year, I've been kind of working as a consultant full time been building lots of custom apps for different companies and doing a lot of teaching as well. So I've uh, got a couple platforms that I do that through. AngularCast.io is one of them. Teach a lot of of Angular and some stuff on GraphQL as well I'm focusing on. So a good mix of consulting and teaching. That's what I've been up to. Very nice. Yeah, it seems like there are a bunch of folks out there that uh, are excited about GraphQL. Absolutely, yeah. I've also been on on that, both where you were talking about I had two things and I had to pick one, right? Because they're taking up more time. I I had to make that decision and and that's not always easy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and that's that was just it. Like at Auth0, great company, loved working there. Tons of talented people that I worked with and really good time there. Um, So it was a hard decision. It was really bittersweet. You know, it was was actually a very tough decision as to whether I stick around or leave. But I've always had this itch to to try out the, you know, full-time business thing myself. So I said, it's probably no time like the present to do it. And so that was that was last year and it's been a good year. I'm glad I did it. Yep. Yeah, I, I tell people that when they go out on their own, especially into consulting, you find out if it's temporary brain damage or permanent. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, thankfully th- this past year, it's been busy, but I, I've made it through unscathed, I think. So I'm happy to uh, be going into another year of it. Yeah, definitely. When I went freelance, man, that was like eight years ago. It was It was a tough decision. I had gotten laid off, so... My decision got made for me, but right. uh, yeah, it, it was definitely interesting just trying to figure out, okay, am I going to be able to make this work? And it's surprising right. how many people are able to at, at least subsist on it, you know, yep. and they're like, I, there's just no way this is going to work. And then it, you know, it turns out people need help. So works itself out. Yeah. We yeah. are fortunate to be in an, in an industry where the work, at least right now, seems to be plentiful if you know where to look oh, yeah. for it or if you know who to talk to. So very grateful for that. Yeah. But the other thing is, is and, and this is something that talked about ad nauseum on uh, Freelancer Show, which is a podcast that I started, what, like six years ago, seven years ago. Okay. And uh, yeah, you know, we, we've talked a lot about how all that works. And if, if you're good at making connections with people and figuring out what their problems are, you shouldn't have any problem finding work. And it sounds like yeah. you're thriving over there doing that. So I, totally, I think you've yeah. got to 
you've got that personal whatever it is that yeah yeah it's been it's been interesting you know one of the one of my thoughts was like going into it was whether i'd have to spend a lot of time marketing whether it be through content or you know old-fashioned type of marketing to get clients thankfully they've just sort of shown up at my doorstep as it were which is which is great i i i'm very very glad about that because I haven't had to focus too much on, you know, the marketing side of things. I'm always, always thinking whether or not that's going to run its course at some point, but I don't know, man, like it just seems like every time I do a project, there's sort of a connection through that client to maybe a couple other people that need the same thing or something similar. So this web just, you know, tends to expand. And I think, I don't know, I, I think that ever expanding web is, is sort of the name of the game when you're in this freelance kind of world. So yeah, it's, it's thankfully been good. Hopefully it keeps up, but you never know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, and, and your experience, you know, where people tend to show up, that was generally my experience. And when it wasn't, most of the time, all I had to do was go out and say, hey, I've got some availability. And I would have people come to me and say, we thought you were too busy, so we didn't even try. Uh, there you go. And so, yeah, there's a ton of work out there. Anyway, let's, let's talk about your story. Let's transition sure. into kind of the more traditional interview. And then we can talk a little bit more about, you know, your, your, how you went from a side hustle to a, a full-time, you know, contracting and, and consulting and things like that. So, yeah, how did you get into programming? So my, my foray into the programming world was maybe, I guess, maybe a little bit less typical. Maybe it's more typical these days. But, you know, at the time, I think it was just, there, there weren't that many people doing this. But I, I'm fully self-taught, didn't do any formal education in programming. I went to school, I went to post-secondary for a degree. It's kind of like a geography degree, but focusing on geomatics. So if anybody's heard of like GIS or ge- geographic okay. information systems. Yeah, that was doing, doing that in my studies, did a major in that. And there was one course that I had to do, which was a programming course, because with GIS, it's all computer based and mm-hmm. use programming to kind of further what you do, but you don't have to. So I had a job where I had to do a lot of that stuff. So, oh, did you? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's interesting stuff. I, I, I did like it, but it started to get a little bit, a little bit boring for me eventually. But, but anyway, in, in school, I had to do one programming course and it uh, was a first year course and it was in Java. So they, they just wanted us to do a single course, didn't have to do much after that, but I was terrible at it. And I really didn't have a clue what I was doing. I think what didn't help is the, the, the instruction wasn't that great. It was, it was kind of, <laughs> I, I, I at least blame it on, on poor teaching, but I was terrible. I, I didn't understand a thing. And I came out of there, like, I was actually scared of it. I was like, you know, I was scared I was going to fail the class and have mm-hmm. to, somehow figure it out later. But long story short, I came out of there feeling like I didn't have what it takes, right, to be a programmer. I didn't have the jobs. So fast forward a couple years later and I'm working in the field. I'm doing geomatic stuff and starting to kind of think about where I might be able to take this future-wise because it was looking a little bit limiting what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so through reading all the, the thing that kept coming back and over and over again was that if you want to go further with this, you should really learn to program because that's where you start to be able to customize things. You get, you know, jobs that pay better, et cetera. And so I said, uh, well, that sucks because I, I don't know what it takes. But I stumbled across, I was trying to figure out how to put a map online one day. I was trying to figure out how to use the, this company called Mapbox to put this map just on a web page, an interactive map. And they give you a basic way to do it, say, just drag and drop this thing. And they say, they said in their docs, if you want to do anything beyond this, you've got to learn some JavaScript. 
and they gave a link to Codecademy. So Codecademy was the first place mm-hmm. that I started to dabble. And my initial thought was like, man, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this because I sucked at this when I was in university. Um, how am I going to be able to do any of this? But the teaching style there, I don't know if you've, you've seen the programs that they've got, it was really cool because it, it was really like small steps, progressive sort of enhancement, if you will. And it had immediate feedback, whether or not you were doing things correctly. So I, I was kind of hooked on it at that point. It just, I kept coming back to it over and over and over again. And then, you know, once I kind of ran the course there, I started to look at other resources and I was, for whatever reason, just kind of starting to get more and more attracted to the idea of programming. So I actually did quite a bit of JavaScript stuff prior to ever having any, any kind of tech job. I did like stuff kind of on the side, building simple websites for, for people and having to add some interactivity. And then I started to look into Angular because that was pretty hot at the time, Angular version one. I was, I was wanting to make some kind of application and I was looking around at how to, you know, the various options. I remember the thing that sold me on it was like that, I don't know if you remember that original demo they had on the homepage where it's like, you can add just like a couple lines here and you, you can see the screen updating as you're typing. They had like uh-huh. an input field. It was, you know, it was bound to to like a P tag on the on the screen and you could just type and, and update. So that was, I don't know. I, I remember after struggling a little bit with jQuery to get similar effects, I was like, oh, this looks really cool. I wonder if I can use this to, you know, kind of go further. And so I got more and more into it at that point, started looking around at various tutorials and noticed, you know, there's a a fair amount of stuff out there, but not a ton. After I learned a few things through a site called scotch.io, I was thinking about where could I go further from here to like, you know, both learn and to to get better at the craft, sort of all in all. And one of the things that I I picked up sort of through reading online was, well, if you want to go and learn something deeply, one good way to do it is to teach it. So, you know, my initial thought was, well, I don't really, maybe I'm not in a position to teach because I don't really know it that well. But I talked to some people and they're like, no, man, like you can, even if you don't, don't know it, you can, you can sort of like through writing a blog post or something like that, mm-hmm. you, can, you can get to know it a lot better because you're going to be forced to. You're going to be forced to dig into whatever the thing is that you're trying to communicate and you're going to have to know it to communicate it effectively. And so that was a super effective way for me to learn Angular better and JavaScript as a whole. So I did... Uh, I did a bunch uh, of that too early in my you? career. Yeah. And, and it really does... It makes you... Yeah. Like you said, it makes you think through it. And okay, well, if somebody reads this, what questions are they going to have? And then you have to go deep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What I found, especially through that, maybe this was your experience too. I I would make like a sample application, for example, Uh and then I would go through in a blog post format, tutorial format, how you would build this. And I would get to certain points where I had built the thing, like a feature, for example, using JavaScript or Angular, Uh but I wouldn't know how to actually like explain what I did. So I would get to like a a roadblock almost when I was writing and I'd be like, how do I, what did I even do here? Like, how do I explain what just happened? And that would send me on a tangent for like hours digging into, (laughs) I was building, you know, in that feature or whatever. And that unlocked a lot of gates along the way, right? It's like, oh, this is how that connects to this, et cetera. So super useful. I've talked to some other people too, who have had similar experiences. Very, very good way to learn, I think. So yeah, I, I started to write some blog posts, started to get them on sites like scotch.io, place, the place that I learned initially. And then 
so I was working for the government at, at the time. I was working in geomatics and I was like, man, I, I think I might want to actually try to make a move into the tech world. Again, going back to that initial programming class that I had in school, I was like, right. maybe I don't have the chops for it. Maybe I don't like have the ability to get into programming worlds like professionally. But you know what? I'm going to try. I'm going to just see what's out there and, and give it a shot. And I had gone to, actually, question for you. Did you go to NG Vegas, that conference that was? No, I didn't. Okay. Do you remember when it was on? I think it was 2015. So that was like, at that point. NG yeah, I remember when they put it on. Yeah. And so there's this conference, this Angular conference in Vegas. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to that. And I'm going to, even though I'm not working in Angular, like as at a professional level, even though I'm not a professional developer, I'm going to go and just like hang out with people, try to get to know some people. So at that conference, I ended up meeting who is now, I believe his position now is the VP of product at Auth0. His name is Gonto, Martin Gonto. I'm not sure if you've, you've come across him, but um, I met him there and it was like, man, I think it was maybe four months later, he put something on Twitter saying that Osiris was looking for content writers to uh, do developer-related content mm -hmm. to try to help the marketing efforts at Osiris. And I was like, okay, that is the job for me because I've been doing this sort of on my own. I've been writing blog, po blog post after blog post for the last little while and I'm getting good feedback on it. Why don't I try to have that be my entry point to the industry? So sent him a note, did an interview, did an exercise, and all of a sudden I was in. And I was scared of my mind at that point. <laughs> all of a sudden, I've got a real tech job when I don't, I don't consider myself necessarily a real tech person. So it's this really stark transition that scared the crap out of me. But the rest is history. It, it all went well. Wrote a bunch of content for Osteo, helped the marketing efforts there quite a bit. And uh, did some other things there too. Worked on product for a bit. Did some DevRel stuff. Did some, uh, you know, did the conference mm -hmm. circuit as a, as a speaker. And yeah, man, the, it's been lots of Angular work since then. Now as a consultant. Awesome. So uh, one thing I want to back up to really quickly is you said that you ran across Angular, you know, early in your journey. But you didn't actually mm -hmm. tell us how you found it. Was it somebody that recommended it to you or... Yeah. So thinking back, it's hard to pinpoint like the exact time that like the moment that I found it. I think it was probably it, it had been a recurring thing. So, you right. know, as as I'm learning like through Code Academy and Code School and these other places, I'm, I'm also reading articles uh, just about tech stuff in general. And I remember seeing the name AngularJS pop up every now and then. Yep. So I think it was like, OK, I'll, you know, I should check this out. And so went to the website, watched some YouTube videos, watched some tutorials. Ended up watching like all the conference talks from the first NG Conf. Uh huh. And I was like, okay, yeah, this looks really cool. People were really excited about it. It was uh, kind of the hype at the time, right? So I was like, yeah. I should really, I should really check this out and, and learn, learn what's going on here. And it turned out, so I remember struggling with it quite a bit at the start. I think it was because my foundations with JavaScript just weren't really great, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew how to write some JavaScript, but it wasn't, it wasn't the kind of knowledge I think at the time that was made me clearly see what was happening with an angular js app i i needed right. to backtrack somewhat and, and learn some other things first but uh yeah i think it was just kind of a recurring theme that i saw around around the interwebs that kind of led me led me to it gotcha and yeah i operate on that quite a bit when i'm looking especially since i have to find something new to cover every week <laughs> right yeah. Shows. and yeah and so if it comes up a few times and it's like oh 
we should talk about that. What's funny yeah. is, is about half the time when I do run across something like that, I'll go to schedule something and I'll find out that Michelle has already done that. So, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it tends to be picked up by sort of everybody who's watching, I suppose. And that's, I think that was my, my attitude. And I guess it still is really is, is to keep an eye on the industries and to see what's happening. And so, I mean, the typical places where we consume things like that, right. You know, Twitter and hacker news and, and all, all that stuff. That's kind of where I get, get a pulse for what's going on. Yep. Cool. So uh, we had you on to talk about Angular and Electron. Is that the kind of work you're doing or is it just general Angular stuff or what, you know, what are you consulting on? Yeah, it's, it's more general Angular. I haven't done anything in Electron for a client since I've been on my own. So I, I did some Electron work. My first kind of experience with Angular and Electron together was while I was working at Auth0. And it was to, to put together a tutorial on how you would use the two technologies together. That was, that was my intro to it. And did some other workshop stuff. But in terms of like a full-fledged Electron application, I haven't, haven't done much there. From my consulting stuff, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of straight up uh, Angular, well, version 7 now. It's, you know, it's building, it's basically the way that I, I describe it to people that I meet a lot of my clients, it's kind of they want to take a spreadsheet and put it on on the internet. That that's sort of the name of the game, uh-huh. them, right? It's like uh, you know small businesses that have really kind of inefficient processes where data is being moved around, you know, between twenty seven different spreadsheets, uh, and people are transcribing data from one place to another, and they need some way to make their business practices fit together better and for things to move more smoothly. So part of the consulting stuff that I do is also like kind of a business analysis type deal Mm -hmm. where I'll go in, look at the business, how, you know, information flows through it and try to come up with an application that will suit that well and that'll be easy to use and and ultimately save them time and money. That's kind of right. So yeah, so Angular has been really, really good for that because it lets me get things done quickly. That's what I really, really love about it. So, you know, prototyping is, is quite easy and getting a full application together that is robust where I don't have to go looking for other various packages to fit in. That's been really helpful. So the, the full kind of platform or framework kind of paradigm, I guess, if, if we want to call it that, that we get with Angular, it's been super, super helpful for my consulting. Gotcha. I, I want to backtrack a little bit too to the, the transition from full-time work to consulting. It, it sounds like you got into programming. You've been in it for a few years working for Auth0. It doesn't sound like you really worked for many other companies. That was my only tech job. So I guess what I'm aiming at is I've talked to a number of people. I've talked to a number of people that have been in the industry for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they start complaining about their boss or their, you know, one of them was my neighbor. He worked for a consultancy. He had worked with me at another consultancy and he was complaining about his, his client. And I'm like, well, why don't you go out on your own and pick your own clients? Right. And, you know, he had all kinds of concerns, you know, essentially forms of imposter syndrome. And I'm wondering, you know, with you, where you've only been in the industry for a few years, you know, did you feel like you might fail, that you might not be qualified? And then you weigh that against, hey, you know what, this job's pretty nice. Mm, How do you make that decision? And how do you overcome the imposter syndrome that comes with, I don't have 10 million years of experience here? Sure. Yeah. So I think, so imposter syndrome, like many people, it's always been an issue for me. I've always been, I wouldn't say I've been crippled by it in any way. I wouldn't say that it's 
debilitating, but it's always been present, right? There's right. There's always the sense that like, who am I to try to build this thing or teach on this subject? And when, you know, I, I, I haven't been in the industry for more than whatever it is for, I guess four total years now. And I guess, and I don't know if I've made conscious efforts to do this, or maybe it's just something that's developed over time, but I, I somehow am able to both ignore that, but also use it as a little bit of fuel, I think. So mm-hmm. I remember, man, going back to like my first couple blog posts that I put out after just starting with Auth0, I was like scared. I was, you know, they, they would go out on, we would post them on like Reddit, on Twitter, like everywhere you would find content. And man, I, I remember like being terrified of refreshing the page to see what the comments would say. Because I was like, they're going to know. They're going to be able to tell just by the first couple like sentences yeah. that they read. I don't have a clue what I'm talking about, right? And on the contrary, what ended up happening is I, I would get positive comments. I would get things like, oh, this helped me to you know, solve this issue. Or I, I really didn't know how to piece these things together until I read your, your post. So I think little by little, those those kind of positive bits of feedback were helpful for me to say, okay, well, you know, even if I don't feel like I fully know what I'm doing, at least it's helping somebody, right? At least I'm getting some value out of it. So I think, I I suspect that subconsciously I've been using that like positive feedback loop to just sort of get past any of those feelings of imposter syndrome that might otherwise cripple me. So the blog post is good for a couple of people. Great, I'll do another one. The feature on the application that I built, for a business uh, is useful for them. They're getting value out of it. Great, I'll go and you know build a bigger feature or do something else. I think there's been a bit of a loop there, and I think it's been helpful to sort of. I, I think that's been helpful. So if, if you can if you can somehow get that, if you can look for that positive feedback, I think that's great for helping to get past imposter syndrome. It might not always be there, which is which is a tough part. But I've I've always felt that you know one way that you can know that you're doing something of value is if it scares you a little bit. That's that's something I've I've looked. For. So, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. Say it again. <laughs> yeah. So it, it turns out. Well, in in my experience, anyway, it has turned out to be true. Is that the things that scare you at least a little bit are probably the things that are worth doing, right? Mm-hmm. The things of value are the things that scare you. So, you know, instead of embracing that early on, I think it has allowed me to say, okay, even though it's going to be scary, even though I I feel like an imposter, I'm going to do it anyway. Hopefully it turns out. And at the end of the day, what's the worst that's going to happen, right? That's something I go back to as well. It's true. And it's interesting too, because I talk to people and, you know, I've talked to people about my journey into freelancing or whatever. And they're like, well, isn't that scary? And I'm like, well, what's the worst case scenario that you fail? And I'm like, then what? Then I go do what you're doing and get a full-time job. Exactly. Yeah. Which is something that I, at this point, I've been on my, you know, self-employed for eight and a half years. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, so it's not something that I really want to do. Right. But I'm not going to starve. Yeah, exactly. Right. The, if worse comes to worse, you can muster up some work. Yeah. I, I remember something that's given me that actually gave me a bit of a boost of confidence when I was making that decision to go out on my own was I re- remembered back to a job that I had years ago when I was, mm-hmm. I don't know, I was like 19 or something. And one of the pieces of feedback that I got from my manager was that I'm very resourceful. She's like, I know that I can count on you 
to get things done because you know how to, you know how to be resourceful. Like you know how to find the answers to things. You know how to like, you know, find the connection between whatever two points that need to get you to the problem are. Right. So that was like, that was, that was a bit of a boost of confidence for me. Cause I'm like, even if things flop, if I, if I have this like capacity to be resourceful as it were, maybe things wouldn't be so bad. Right. I can figure it out. I'll, I'll figure something out at the end of the day. So that was, that was something that I played over uh, in my head when I was making that decision. And it was, it was not an optimal time really to, to make that jump. Cause we had just had a baby. We had like a, a three month old at home uh-huh. when I was making that jump. So my wife and I were talking about it and we're like, is this, is this a good time? And I think, I think what we landed on was like what you said is you can always find something else if, if things go south and there's, it's probably the best time to do it. Even though we have a young baby, I mean, going further into the future would probably just incrementally be a worse and worse and worse time. Right. Yep. Well, the other thing is, is, I mean, how do I put it? It's kind of like what we talk about in agile development. You get more information the further along you go. And so if you right. start today, then you're going to be able to make better decisions and position yourself better in the future. So, Totally. Yep. Yeah, that, no, the amount of time you're at, it has an effect for sure. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. So what are you working on now then? Uh, so I had, uh, I've had a number of clients over the, the last year. One of the, I guess it is my largest client. I'm kind of at the final stages of a kind of a total rebuild of their, their tech stuff. So there, there's some kind of final feature work that's going in. I've got some other clients that I've got projects going right now for, you know, I've got like a museum, for example. Oh, um, Nice. Yeah, it's one of the larger ones I've got right now. And then I'm doing a lot of, I, I just finished up uh, doing my last bit of conference stuff for the year. Spoke at a couple events. I was over in Prague doing ReactiveConf. Oh, did, cool. Yeah, that was really fun. And uh, did the GraphQL Summit in San Francisco last week, I think it was, or the week before. Went to the Google Developer Experts Summit there as well. So I've been on the road for a bit. So that's done for the year. And now I'm kind of planning for next year. What's what's going to be my kind of, um, I guess, plan for, for teaching, for traveling, doing conferences. And it looks like signs are pointing towards kind of a more, more of a focus on GraphQL. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to in the, in the new years is, is lots of GraphQL content. Very cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And lots of focus on Angular still though. That's been my, uh, that's been one of my content areas where I've, I've written, I guess the most about over the years. So that'll be, that'll be continued as well. Yeah. You're web famous. Web famous. Well, I, uh, I don't know if, if I'm, I'm famous, but, but I've got some stuff out there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if people want to find you online or if they're thinking, man, he sounds like somebody that we need to come in and do his consulting work with us, you know, to help them figure out where they're not being efficient, where they could do things better, you know, level up their angular, so to speak. Uh, where, where do people find you for that? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I am Ryan Chanky on, on Twitter, C-H-E-N-K-I-E. And you can find me on my website, ryanchanky.com. Where else am I? GitHub is uh, just my last name, Chanky. And I guess those would be the primary places. That should suffice. Nice. Well, I was just going to head us into picks. So if there's anything else to add, go ahead. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. 
It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Uh, what are my picks? One thing that I've found recently, uh, so I, I talk a lot about, or I guess I used to more so when I was at Osseo, I talk a lot about uh, like security for applications. Mm-hmm. And I've got, I got this site that I found recently, which was really good for that. So it's secure. I just want to make sure I get it right. Securityheaders.com is, is an interesting site. It'll tell you if your app or your API or whatever is serving up um, what are considered some of the, I guess, easiest and best bang for buck security headers that you could be sending back in the response. So people should check that out at securityheaders.com. You can put in your site address there and you can do a scan. And if you add the headers that they recommend, it's it's an easy way to get some wins uh, security-wise. So check that out. And uh, yeah, I think that's my only pick. Awesome. I'm trying to think what I'm going to pick. It's Thanksgiving and my brain's kind of off. <laughs> Thanksgiving here in the U.S. Uh, I'm not sure if you're based in the U.S. or Canada. So I'm in Canada. So we had our Thanksgiving last month. Yep. So uh, anyway, I think one of the things that I'm going to pick is I've, I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons with my brothers and sisters, nice. which is kind of fun. It's fun just to kind of hang out and chat and all that stuff. And what what's also funny is, you know, I, I think some people imagine, okay, so, you know, you have three or four people there. Uh, we actually have a party of seven and okay. two two of them are in-laws and the DM's my brother and that's only half of us because I'm the oldest of 10 kids. But anyway, it's it's a ton of fun just to kind of connect and get together for, totally. for family stuff. And so I, I am going to shout out about that. Just take the time to spend time with family. Absolutely. The other thing I'm going to pick is my my wife and I, our ceiling fan in our bedroom broke. And mm. I'm, I'm kind of, a, I'm, I'm handy enough to get myself into trouble. and uh anyway so we shopped around online for a new ceiling fan and i installed it yesterday and anyway i'm just really digging a lot of the the stuff that they make it pretty easy to put it in so nice i went down to lowe's and picked one up there but we we kind of shopped online and that also made that easy as well and so yeah just go and do some online shopping figure out what you want and then go for it and the other thing is, is, you know, this kind of harks back to our conversation about imposter syndrome. You know, you, you don't know you can't until you try. Totally, a lot yeah. of times you're going to surprise yourself with what you can get done. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If I could recommend anything, it's like try to push past that fear of, oh, they're going to think I'm an imposter. They're going to think I'm a fake, whatever it may be. And, and just do it anyway. Do the thing that scares you. And you'll like over time, you're going to incrementally get better at ignoring that that feeling and either that or using it as like propellant for you to do more stuff um, it's definitely gotten easier that the imposter yeah. stuff over the years still there but uh yeah don't let it don't let it stop you from doing the thing that you're interested in 
Yep, 100%. The other thing that I'll just add to that is that I get on these shows and talk about technologies that I don't always completely understand. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why I have my co-hosts. As far as the shows go, I mean, I have, I have enough expertise to carry on the conversation, but my expertise really is in making the podcast go. Right. So, you know, you can find your value. It doesn't have to be what you think it is. But again, you know, I have a passable enough knowledge to talk about this stuff with folks. And I play with it enough to actually have, you know, things to talk about as far as what I've done. But, you know, you don't have to be the creator of the framework. You don't have to be at Absolutely. that level in order to, to talk about it and deal with it and work on it. So, Yep, I agreed for sure. All right, well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming, Ryan. Totally, yeah, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yep, and we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. We'll, we'll catch everybody next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.